Hello, Remnant. Awake, oh sleepers. Welcome to our channel. And we are going to talk a little bit today about something the Lord has shown me about. I was studying about, um, I've always, I've always asked myself, I guess I was studying some stuff about the elite and the, what's going on and all of this stuff. And it gets pretty, it gets pretty deep. I mean, it's, there's times that I just have to literally walk away from the darkness and seek the Lord, and during the time of fasting and praying, He's been revealing so much to me, and two things I want to talk to you about. One is, I've always asked the Lord, why are the kings and princes in the mountains, or queens, or what are princes of, what does it say, kings and princes hiding in the mountains, cover, um, begging the rocks to fall on their face and cover them from the Lamb of Glory? Why are they hiding? What are they so afraid of? And it came to my attention this week. The Lord has kind of kept me up. I woke up. Matter of fact, I woke up at 3 a.m. this morning. And my sister in Christ, who is my prayer warrior partner and and soul sister that the Lord has sent into my life, messages me at 3.30 and says, are you awake? So we've had a good laugh about that because I am never awake. At, I mean, I never like check my phone. And so it was just divine appointment and I was supposed to get up and I didn't, I think I slept three hours last night. But, um, the thing is people are very unaware of the darkness and how bad it really is. And I want to talk about fear and how it's crept into the church so much that people don't like, I have a mom who is, when I'm talking about demons, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, but my mom just checks out. She, I remember her, I talked to her about the Holy Spirit and she asked me one time, what cult are you in? And I said, a cult? I said, I'm not in a cult. Um, but the problem is we have people in the church who have not read their Bibles. That is the problem. And so they go on what they've been taught in church. They go on what they've taught, been taught by religion but they don't go find the word of God. So they don't understand the Holy Spirit. I was 42 years old when I got filled with the Spirit. Was I 42? I was 42. Uh, yes. And I was robbed for 42 years of the Holy Spirit. And that's just all I can say. And now I don't know how I live my life without him. And... It is a separate, I have done some research and it is clearly a separate baptism, I believe, and you have to ask for it. And, but I do believe I've always had the Holy Spirit with me, but it took the transformation in my life to really see him at work in my life and to understand who was leading the way. It's easy to say Jesus is, you know, ordaining or God's ordaining our steps and he orders our steps and, you know, but the thing is because of free will, the Holy Spirit's the one who convicts us. The Holy One's the Holy Spirit's the one that teaches us. And and if we aren't seeking him, we're not going to get the knowledge and wisdom that we we need to have to have the discernment, to have those gifts of discernment and and other things that we need to walk with the Holy Spirit to understand the good and evil. And I've been studying eschatology since I was 18 years old and I stopped for a while and I started back up in 2012 when things started to heat up and you know, it become it became my passion, and I am blown away. The more that I am taught by God, the more I am taught by the Holy Spirit, being my teacher, the more I am blown away at how much, 
how many lies I was taught, how deceived I was, how blinded I was. So when the Bible says, or when the amazing grace says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Yeah, there is some real truth to that because it's not just about our ears being open and our eyes our our eyes being open and having new eyes have it's about the tr- the fact that we were just blinded just as much as the Jews were because we've been rocked to sleep by the enemy. And so when you understand this and you understand how Satan preys on fear. So my mom, I called her, my dad has cancer. I called my mom and I said, "Look, I'm coming over and I'm going to I'm going to heal my dad. I've been given specific instructions on how to do this. My faith is weak and I'm asking God for more faith right now, but I have specific instructions and they are very detailed instructions, things that I was asked to call on the Holy Spirit by his Hebrew name and I don't even say it properly. I didn't even know how to pronounce it. But my point is, I'm sorry, I'm so tired. I've been yawning, but I've been sleeping. I slept like four hours. But um, but my point is, you know, I told my mom, I said, I need you to clean the house before I come. And I need you to understand that I need, I'm going to be oiling the house. There's a demonic presence there. And the first thing my mom and dad will say is, we don't have demons in our house. They don't understand that it's a spirit. They don't understand that... Because they haven't read the Bible. They don't. My dad has, but my dad hasn't. He doesn't. I think he understands, but he doesn't understand the extent. You know, the fallen angels came down. They mated with women, their offspring. That seed lives throughout the world. And the thing is, the spirits, the spirits of the dead uh, giants, Nephilim, fallen angels, whatever, roam the earth those disembodied spirits or demons and they roam the earth searching to and fro for sin and windows to open to crawl into and but you have to remember the bible says that god has not given us a spirit of fear but of but a power but a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind and we do not have so so fear is a spirit that's what he's saying and I had fear being attacked as a child and having a war for my soul from the day I was born. I have had fear cripple me my entire life until I was 42 years old. And when I understood the power I had given to the enemy to become my own worst enemy, to uh, doubt myself, to hate myself, to have a, a, a people-pleasing control over my life and a fear of letting people down, a fear of failure. I had a fear of everything. People would tell you, I would walk around saying, I'm sorry, 500 times a day to everything. If somebody looked at me wrong, I'd be like, I'm sorry. I apologize just for existing. But it was because my spirit was broken as a child, but fear crept in and I was afraid of everything, everything. And it took somebody pointing this out to me. And fear has literally controlled my whole entire life. It wasn't until about two years ago, I didn't understand this power and authority thing. So now that I understand this power and authority thing, about six months ago, I started to ask the Lord, why don't we have power and authority? Why don't we take our authority? Why don't we have the power in the church to heal the sick, to cast out demons? He takes me back to the the situation where the disciples tried to cast out. And he said, sometimes it requires fast and praying, fasting and praying. And 
we're not doing that. We're so selfish. We love our food and our wine, right? We're not going to give up the flesh. We're not going to crucify the flesh because we like our sin, right? It, we live in a very sinful, fallen world. I don't. I've given up all those things. But my point is that the enemy has crept in the church. There are demonic spirits in the church. We. It says the seven churches are very alive and well. And it says, you know, I have these things against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Jezebel's being tolerated. Nobody's taking a stand against the spirit in the church. Why is this? Because it's uncomfortable. And it doesn't, people don't want confrontation. And the thing about it is we have to take a stand against that spirit. It has to be shut down. You can shut it off. You can tell it to go away. But the truth is it has, you have to take a stand against it and make it leave. You have to either say, look, you're going to get delivered right now or you're leaving the church. And there's nothing like that going on inside the churches. There needs serious deliverance inside the churches. And the pastors need to make themselves accessible to the congregation. And... um. That is the church and people inside the church who know how to do deliverance need to be accessible to people. Um, but the problem is like, I don't allow anybody to pray over me. I don't trust or I don't know. And I don't want their demons. So I don't know how you go about doing this, but we need to start taking authority and power back inside the church. That's the problem. And what we're seeing is we have this power and authority, this ability to heal the ability to cast out demons and we're not using it. And I'm asking God to give me the faith to do this. And as I was talking to my mom about it, I'm telling her, I need you to oil. I need to oil the the house, the windows, the doors. And she said to me, I don't understand why you do this. And I said, because it's kind of like Passover, right? When they put the blood on the doorpost, we're pleading the blood of Jesus over the home and in protecting. And I always go back to Psalm 91 um, that will be covered under the shadow of the wings of the, of the most high. And, um, you know, I, I just, I think about the, the demons are looking for any cracks. The reason Satan, the, you know, people say, Oh, Satan doesn't have the ability to do anything. The Lord doesn't allow him to do. That's right. That's correct. But the problem is we give Satan legal rights to our lives by opening those cracks. So, you have to almost clean house in your life. And I feel like God is calling us this time of purification where we have to clean our temples. We have to remove people in our lives that aren't on the same journey as us. There's people on our train going to the same destination, but some of them need to get off because they're not headed that way. They say they're headed that way, but they're not. There's people who are in love with the world and they don't want the world that God has to offer. And my mom and my dad love the Lord. They do. They Their hearts are so good for the Lord. They love. They're so pure. They just, I know the Lord knows their hearts, but they don't know the Holy Spirit, truly know him. And if they did, you know, there's still a darkness that comes to in that house. And, and, um, I told my mom, I said, you know, when I come in and I pray and I ask to, you know, when I start cleansing the house and I remove some of this stuff, don't get offended, you know, and, um, you have to understand that there is a presence in this house that's causing the sickness, this affirmity. Being sick is not normal. And uh, we have, if we really know God, we shouldn't have sickness. And we live in Satan's world. So something has opened up a window and given the enemy legal rights. So we have to take those legal rights away from him. And that's what I'm going to go do at my dad's. Um, and believe that God can heal him. My dad's faith is stronger than mine. 
And so I am, I think God is really trying to test my faith and see if I'm able to do what he asked me to do. And I'm obedient. So I never thought I would be in this place, but my dad's finally ready to receive it. And I'm going to believe that he's going to be healed. But at the end of the day, I also believe in God's will. And uh, my dad came back from the dead and met Jesus and came back and he had a, he was healed, but he started smoking again. And that is a free will thing. And if you continue to do something like that, you're going to be given legal right, giving legal rights to the enemy to do whatever he wants to do. It's kind of like the house gets swept and, and more come back in because of the fact that that window was open after they left. So, um, it's hard to teach people who've been brought up with in a religious background. This stuff is my point. And my mom always says, Ooh, you just, I got attacked the other night in my sleep. And my mom was like, and my health has been attacked. And my mom says, Oh, you just, it's because you're playing with demons and I'm not playing with demons. I take authority over demons and I, um, cast them out and I, I'm delivered from, I'm delivered from darkness and I walk in the light. So, but my mom doesn't understand this, but the thing is I spend a lot of time educating people on the darkness, on the demons, because churches aren't talking about this stuff. It is not normal to be held down in your sleep. It's not normal to be raped in your sleep. It's not normal to have sleep paralysis to, to, uh, I mean, I literally went to the bathroom one night and literally felt a demon just breathing on me. And he said, I'm going to possess you. And I could not move. I was standing up. It was like sleep paralysis with me standing up. And my brain was just like, it was like I was being scrambled and I could not move. I, it reminded me of my childhood. As I literally came out of that, I was like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Satan has no power over my life anymore because I don't fear him anymore. Do you understand how this works? You have to stop fearing him. That fear feeds the demons. It's kind of like a dog. If you pet it, a stray dog, if you pet it and play with it and feed it, it's going to come back for more. It is the same thing. So if you give a demon power over your life, that demon's going to come back with his friends. They operate in gangs. And so the Bible talks about this over and over and over again. I don't understand why people are so afraid of talking about demons in this darkness. And they're like, oh, Jennifer, you're going to give power to these demons. You're going to give power to Satan. No, that's not true. Because Jesus talked a lot about hell. And he talked a lot about casting out demons. And he educated the disciples on how to do it. You know, and what they would need to do. He was training them. So the problem is we have churches that haven't been training us to do this stuff. And now we have to kind of scramble and find a way to do it ourselves because the truth is the remnant has been left here and rising up to teach and educate the rest of the church who's so slacking right now because they've been rocked to sleep by Satan. My point with all of this is as the Lord was revealing to me that these elite people are all clones. They're all clones. And the more I don't understand time travel, but the more I find out how these celebrities look like somebody from the past, there's so many videos out there. They look identical to people from the past. I'm sure time travel does exist because they groomed and conditioned us in that movie Back to the Future years ago. I mean, everything in Hollywood has been done to groom and condition us for what's coming. All you have to do is watch the movies, watch the fifth wave. Um, that's what's getting ready to go on. But literally... If you understand, here's the thing, if I can come in and educate you 
on what is really going on biblically in the world. And I can show you, I can give you a rundown from Genesis to Revelation within 20 minutes. And I can tell you exactly what's going on because I do this all the time. I do this with people I meet constantly because I'm like, I have 10 minutes, you know, and I give them the rundown and they look at me and they want more, but they're like, wow, nobody ever explained it to me like that before. It's so simple. Wow. I mean, I can't tell you how many people God has used me to wake up just because he's, he's just used me as a vessel to wake them up because they can't see it. Um, religion has left a lot of unanswered questions. And that's exactly what the Roman Catholic Church intended to do with religions. They wanted people confused. They wanted people, that's what Satan wants to do. He used the Roman Catholic Church because they were dabbling in things they shouldn't have been dabbling in with Egyptian tombs and all sorts of things. False gods, idols, that opened a window. And the enemy has taken the Roman Catholic Church and they've dabbled in that stuff and it has, it has literally made him like the most high. And so when you understand all of this stuff and you understand and can see the bigger picture, my, my hope in, in, in prayers are that people will see a bigger picture and they'll see how simple God really is and that he is our dad and we have to see him as our dad. And he wants us to be not happy. He wants us to be obedient and he, does it. he doesn't want us to keep touching that hot stove and burning ourselves. He's going to tell us over and over, stop touching the hot stove. And if we keep touching the hot stove, we're going to get burned. We have a dad who loves us. And because we chose a mind transformation to walk down the aisle, sign a covenant with him spiritually and, and choose to give our lives to him, we've given him an open invitation to come into our lives. And that open invitation gave him the invitation to give Satan invitation to our lives because we have free will and we give Satan legal rights to our lives. And there's consequences for our selfish choices and our sin. And we will not truly be saved and have, until the day we stand face to face with Jesus. And so because of free will. And the point is with all of this is that all of these people in Hollywood and all, I don't know if they're all clones, but majority of them are. That's why they look like, like demons. They look sick, skinny, and they have, they're just, they look like bones, but literally they they don't, the rich people don't have to live with us. They don't have to. So they, they do whatever they want to do. I mean, they live underground, whatever. But my point is they believe in our God. And this is what you have to understand. They believe in our God. They just love their rebellion and their wickedness more than they love our God. And they believe that our God has accountability and consequences and they don't want the rules. They want to live in their sexual immorality and their wickedness and their rebellion. They're possessed. And because of this, they want, they want God, but they don't want his rules. And because of this, they have chosen the God of this world, the lowercase g God, and sold their souls to him. And they, in their heads, believe that he's, Satan is going to, Jesus is going to come down and Satan and him are going to either partner up and save planet earth in some warped way of thinking, or that... Jesus is going to come back, or they know Jesus is coming back. That's why they're hiding in the rocks, begging the rocks to fall on them and hide them from the Lamb of Glory because they know he's coming back. And they believe in him. They just don't want his rules. And their goal right now is to destroy planet Earth before he returns. 
And Lucifer has made them all sorts of promises. Empty, empty promises that he will never be able to hold up to because he's not God. He is not Yahweh. He is not Elohim. He is not Adonai. He is not the God we serve. And so I just want to to let you know this and be blessed. And I hope that you will take this to the Lord and be a Berean. And God bless you all and have a wonderful day. And Shabbat Shalom and love you and see you again, Lord willing. Bye. Awake, O sleepers, it is time to shine. It is time for God's children to rise up like never before. So we are wanting an awakening like we have never had before and like we've never experienced. We want to go back to the Acts for our church. We want to go back to that time when the Holy Spirit filled us so, so filled them so deeply that the power of God just was upon them so heavy that people wanted what they have. And that's what we've got to get back to. And I remember the day the Lord told me, woke me up, and he said, we've got to go backwards in time like when he walked the earth. And those were his words. And I just remember thinking, how will we ever do this? (laughs) But we are at that time and that place where we have to come together as a body of Christ and figure out how to make this work and how to come out of the system. I would like to say a prayer before we get started. Abba, you are our dad, and we just thank you so much being who you are. We thank you so much that you love us enough to speak to us and show us your plans. I thank you so much for calling me as your watchman. And Lord, I just ask that you would expand my territory to where I can speak truth and wake more people up. Use the Holy Spirit however you wish, Lord, in my life and lead me where you want me to go. Lord, may may every word out of my mouth be what you want to say. Lord, make it to where people see you and not me when I walk in a room. I want your voice, voice to be heard, and I want people to see my life and be the example that I need to be to the point that they don't even know who I am as a person. They are just looking at something they've never recognized before. Abba, we just ask that, I ask that you would just wake this generation of children up that are wayward. We need that. We need an awakening on them like never before. We need something to waken them up. And Abba, just give me the gift of teaching and be able to teach your people what you have taught me. I just, I have such a desire to want to teach them the things that you've taught me in love so I can take your word and and give it to them. I just love how much you are my teacher and you have changed everything. You've gone against everything that I've been taught my whole entire life, but I see the truth. I see the truth now and I just want so badly to wake people up. So I ask that you would open their ears and open their eyes and and put new eyes on their eyes, Lord. Help them see what they've never been able to see before. We do feel like there's an awakening happening. And it goes against everything biblically that we have seen. And we know you're at the door. And it's time. It's urgent. It's urgent for your children to wake up. And Abba, we don't know if there's a rapture. None of us really know. It's not for us to know. If the angels don't know, why would we know? So we just we just walk in the hope that there is something 
bigger and better. And we don't walk in fear. We don't walk in fear. We walk, you know, covered under the wings of the shadow, the shadow of the wings of the almighty. And that's where we stand Lord and no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We are guarded and we are protected and we are shielded by your love, by your wings, by the Holy Spirit. You will send angels to guard us at all times when we when we ask. Lord, you said that if we ask that you would give. So we ask for divine protection from the darkness in this world right now. Lord, we pray, like I said, we pray for this generation, Lord, that there will be something that will wake them up. We love our children so much, but we don't want to see them in eternity with the enemy. We want to, we want them to be with you, with us. And so we just ask for a supernatural awakening, Lord. We ask for supernatural healing on this earth that you have given us the power and the authority to do that, to cast out demons and to heal. So help us, teach us, show us how we get that power, Lord. Let my words be your words. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And I just thank you so much for being the best dad in the whole world. And I thank you for what you're doing in advance because I know that you love us and you have our best interest at heart and you are for us, not against us. And so we will hold on to shine in that light in the darkness, Lord. And you will distinguish the darkness with our light, Lord. We'll just like put it out, put the darkness out and the light will just suffocate the world and that's what we that's what we want we want the light to shine so brightly there is no darkness and even when we can only see a glimpse lord just a glimpse of light that we will hold on to that knowing that there's more light coming help us to know and discern the times that we're living in and and to discern the people that are in and out of our lives that we will be um, wise as a serpent, but gentle as a dove, and that we will be very careful about our home and our temple, and that we will make sure that we keep that house clean at all times. And so we know that we are hearing your voice and help us to remove the chaos of the world. Lord, help us to shut it off and help us to come out of Babylon. God, we just ask all of these things in your son's precious name, and we thank you so much for his blood, and thank you so much for the cross. And we just thank you so much for that sacrifice. And thank you, Yeshua, for what you've done for us. Thank you that you gave us eternal life with you. And help us and guide us and direct us in all ways. In your son's precious name, amen. I felt the Holy Spirit moving today and I felt compelled to share with you some things that I I have been a watchman for about, well, since I realized I was a watchman, I guess, since 2013. And so I'm I'm learning as I go and I make mistakes and, you know, and I, I try not to speak. I always ask God to not let me speak if it's not of him. And, and, and I just want you to understand that I'm human, you know, and, and, but I want you to see something I never saw before. I got, I was like Jonah. I got so angry at people's sin. I couldn't, I, I went through a period of just anger and anguish and, deep, deep anguish and mourning for the church and just on my knees wailing out for the church just because I did not understand why they could go to church, why they could sin and go to church the next day. And I, I saw this growing up when I was in high school as well. And that's what led me to this journey was I remember asking God, how could they be Christians and be saved and live the way they do? I never understood that. So I was so angry with their sin. So that became the journey of God breaking me down. And I woke up one day and I said, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. I want to be the change in the world that I want to see. I realized I had been complaining and 
griping about all the things going on in the world, but I wasn't really, really willing to do anything about it. And I didn't know where to begin. I felt so overwhelmed. And there's people out there, and I hope if you're one of them that you hear this, because we all have been there where we feel so overwhelmed that we just shut down. And we think, oh, somebody else will take care of it. We'll wait on somebody else to take care of it. But like they've they've said so many times, the church is a sleeping giant, and it kind of gets you know, pushed and woke up and it kind of growls and goes back to sleep. And it's time to not go back to sleep. We have to wake up. Jesus is at the door. And this message is kind of urgent. So please stick with me. I'm trying to keep it short. Uh, We don't have such, we have such a low attention span, short attention span now that we, it's hard to even do these and get the, get everything out that needs to be said. The Lord has kept me up about the temple for so long that I just keep feeling like there's something missing. So he keeps just pushing me to go back into the temple and and discover and see what's going on and, and trying to understand, you know, the thing is, it was never about a temple made of mortar and hands and man's hands and mortar and stone. And, um, it was never supposed to be idolatry. It was supposed to be inside of us. And Yeshua came to give us, we gave him a place to reside inside of us. And he left the Holy Spirit with us. And that's our gift. And I grew up in a Baptist church, a Southern Baptist church. The Holy Spirit, as far as my family was concerned, was a cult. I mean, they didn't know anything about it. And I still talk about the Holy Spirit. My family still does not understand. I'm not a radical charismatic or anything. um, But... I've read my Bible, so I understand the Holy Spirit, and I know Him. And instead of asking for the gifts, which the church is really, the Lord has really been showing me this, that so many people want the gifts, and they're so obsessed with the gifts that they don't know the Holy Spirit, and they don't love Him and know Him the way that they need to. And I kind of went and did it backwards. I found out who He was and got to know Him. And then I was like, wow, all these gifts, it's like Christmas. So um, I still don't fluently speak in tongues. I have a whisper. I, I, I find myself mumbling. I'm assuming that's it. I woke up twice speaking in tongues for Netanyahu before. But other than that, it kind of freaks me out, to be honest. It's just a, it's one of those things because I wasn't raised that way. I'm open-minded to it, but I want to know that I know that I know that it's God. <clears throat> because there is a tongue of demons as well. And it doesn't mean that I'm not filled with the Spirit because I remember the day that I was filled with the Spirit. I fell to my knees trembling and I felt fire in my body. Um, It just, it almost knocked me over. It was so powerful. And I know that I'm filled with the Spirit. So that is just a lie if people say that you don't speak in, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't, you're not filled with the Spirit. I, I have a prophetic gift, not, not, not one most people associate prophetically with. Um, I don't, I sometimes I will speak into people's lives and not realize that it's prophecy or prophetic and until they say something to me I'll just be like you know I'll just randomly say something that I feel like it's just on my heart and I'll say it and I'll realize that they needed that so I'm starting to learn how to use that prophetic gift but my prophetic gift is more about the gift of prophecy meaning I see what because I'm a watchman the Lord allows me to see what's going on in the world and tie it to biblical prophecy and, and, and put the two together. So what I want to share with you is, is this, um, I've been Jonah 
feel like I'm Jeremiah now and Daniel. I'm kind of just in that place where I'm a little bit of both. It depends what day it is. But the Lord has had me kind of isolated the last year to really spend time learning to love his people. And that's a hard place because, you know, it's, I'm a truth seeker. I am, I'm trying to get uncomfortable news to people. It's not easy. And so I'm learning how to do that. The Lord is training me and teaching me how to do this with love. And it's hard because, you know, the more I read the Bible, the more time I spent with God, the more he showed me the holiness that he asked us to live in. And we can't do anything to earn the kingdom of heaven. We can do things to keep us out of the kingdom of heaven. And the there's some stuff going on. I made some notes last night about the 10 virgins, and I've been studying that, and I'll do another podcast on that. But I've been studying about that. But I want to share something with you that I don't normally share with people. Oh, this is so hard. I had... I was married to a sex addict. I was, and some people know this and some people don't. Very few people know all the details. I was addicted to porn. And I had an addiction to masturbation because the se- the, the, the more sex you have, the more visual stuff you see, the more you want it. My kids will be mortified, I'm telling you. They don't even know. But when you're with somebody who's a sex addict that spirit will start to impact you and it will infect your home. And it did that with my life. And the spirit of Jezebel crept in and spirit of Ahab and Leviathan and, and these spirits are very real. And I remember my journey when it began, I went to the Lord and I said, I want to be the change that I want to see in the world. And the Lord said to me, well, well, first of all, I, I, I went to him and I, I said to him, I said, wait a minute. I, I took him, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and I said, Lord, I need you to erase all religion from me and I need you to be my teacher. I was in such a sad, broken, suicidal state that I needed him to just take over. I could hardly get out of bed some days. All I did was cry. I was a mess, but it was my own consequences and accountability for what I had done. The divorce was, and that's what we need to understand. There's always going to be consequences for divorce. It's just the way it is. It's our own free will and our selfishness. And the Lord said to me, well, I took 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to him, and I said, fornicators, adulterers, drunkards, liars, swindlers will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Are you telling me that you contradict yourself? Because the churches have told us that we are saved by grace through faith. And the Lord started to show me. He took me on a big journey. And that began my journey of, and it took me a long time to learn how to be taught, for one thing. It took me turning off the TV. It took me turning off the world. And as I did this, as I came out of the world system, meaning the television, the Hollywood, the, the movies, even magazines. I loved Glamour magazine. I stopped reading it. And I refused to even read it at the grocery store line. I would come out of the house to go get my hair done and go to the grocery store. That was it. I was so broken, I could not take a step. And I remember just feeling like a zombie going through the motions. And my life was a 30-minute interval. That's as far as I could think ahead of me. My family would call me, try to plan Thanksgiving, you know, a couple months down the road. I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know. I live 30 minutes. Every 30 minutes, I live 30-minute intervals. I mean, you know, I don't know what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. 
I couldn't plan anything. I lost 25 pounds in, in like three weeks. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was a mess. And the Lord said to me, and I was single for six years, and the Lord said to me, I need you to stop fornicating. And I was like, did I just hear this right? Yes, I did. And I said, Lord, I don't understand. Why do you, why, how am I ever going to find a husband? I wanted a husband so bad. I just, I'd been in a codependent relationship, married 24 years where I depended solely on my husband to be my God. And he depended on me. And when he started traveling Monday through Friday, the loneliness just took over. And that allowed the demons to get, I mean, it just, so many demons came in our marriage. It was ridiculous. And so I look back now and that time when God asked me to stop fornicating, I, I didn't understand. I was like, you know, I, I'm kind of like the rest of the world. Well, gosh, maybe, maybe I don't want to be a Christian anymore. This is just really bad because the rest of the world's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's sleeping with everybody. Why me? I didn't understand. I thought, wow, he's such a mean God. Why, why do I have to, to follow him? Why do I have to have all these rules? I mean, if I don't have sex with somebody, then I'm, I mean, that's only the only kind of love I ever saw in my life. And so as I realized really quickly that men didn't want me, they didn't love me. It, it wasn't like it was 1950, 1960, whatever. They wanted the sex and they fell in love with the sex. And so my mom said to me one day, Jennifer, all they see is the sex when they look at you. And I just could not even grasp it. I, I remember just thinking, how is this possible? You know, because I, I don't do that. I'm like, I'm a one guy kind of girl. And I'm all about commitment and marriage and family and home and love. And I'm old fashioned that way. So I just never could understand it. And I'd been thrown. I was like, I always say I was like a chihuahua thrown into the wolves, but in the wolf pack. But I didn't understand the new world that we were living in. And especially the thing that was hard for me were Christians who were fornicating all over the place. I had men that I went to church with. Oh, they liked me and they wanted me to go out with them to lunch or whatever. And they were just acting so interested in me and they loved Jesus. They were leading me to the bedroom. And I will tell you this, that the Lord that day that began my journey and I asked him why I had to stop. He took me to Genesis 3 and Genesis 6. And he showed me why he hates fornication. But it wasn't just fornication. Why he hates sexual immorality. And he hates sexual immorality because of that seed that was spread throughout the world. That evil seed that corrupted humanity. From the fallen angels that came down and mated with women. When I started to realize this and I started to see the pain that I had caused my dad, not to mention my family, myself, I was devastated. And my heart's desire is to show people what he's shown me. That's what I really desire to do. I want them to open their eyes and understand that God is not mean. He's not 
angry and hateful and all these things. I mean, he might be angry. I think he is. I've seen his eyes on fire, but, but I don't want them to see, I want him to see a loving dad. And the problem is that we have taken the father, this, the, the, the elite people have taken the role of the father out of the home. And that's what happened. I was raising three boys by myself. He left, my husband left to travel and I was left raising three boys alone and it was hard. They needed their dad and they have no respect for their dad. They have no respect for me. They have no fear of him. Just like they have no fear and respect for their heavenly father. I can tell you that this has been intentional. It's been planned by the enemy for many, many years. And I come across as this person on social media who wants to just tell everybody to stop living in sin and stop fornicating and blah, blah, blah. But the truth is I've been there. And I remember the Lord said to me, I need you. And I heard this plain as day. I need you to stop fornicating so I can use you. And I said, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And he said, the Holy Spirit. We are never meant to do anything in our own strength. It is through God and through the Holy Spirit that we're able to do this. I have a friend who is really struggling with her husband wanting to drink a lot. And they go to church and, you know, she's struggling. And um, it takes 21 days to break a habit, really. I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty, I think it's actually, yeah, it takes 21 days. And... You know, drinking has become the norm, especially here, you know, and she's from Europe and so they have a glass of wine with every meal, but here people are like, they don't have just one glass of wine. They have two to three drinks every meal and they think they're normal, but the truth is they're not, they're, they're, they're alcoholics, but we just don't want to accept it. And so I don't drink. And so people think I'm weird, but we have really flipped roles. That's for sure. But Anyways, I was doing a study and um, they were all drawing words and they drew the word masturbation. And of course I got it and I had to teach and I had to go home and do my homework. And, oh, I could not believe I got that word. I thought, man, this is making me so uncomfortable. I'm having anxiety just even talking about this. But I had to stop. And you get men who think that, I mean... You get people who cheat on each other because they feel like they have to have that release or they have to sleep. Mike's husband had to have sex to sleep and relax. He couldn't unwind. And I became his blow-up doll. But my point was with all of this stuff is that I had to crucify my flesh. And I could not do it alone. I had to have the Holy Spirit and I had to have his help. And with his direction... I was not only able to quit masturbating for like three years, but every sexual desire I had as a single woman was gone. And I will tell you, that is the Lord that took that from me. And I give him all praise and honor and glory for that. But the thing about it is, did I want to do that? No. But did I have to do that? Yes. I knew the times we were living in. And the flesh gave Satan power over my life. And as soon as I understood that, I didn't want to give him that power anymore. 
I was being attacked all hours and day, night of hours of the night and day, and it was because I was letting the flesh control me. I had opened that window, that crack in that window that allowed him to come in. And this is what I want to tell you. The Holy Spirit, when we do these things, we fornicate, whatever, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. And I was grieving him so badly that I couldn't hear his voice. He would go silent on me to the point I would beg and plead for him to come back. And it would take a long time to get him back. And I, it wasn't that I wanted to, it wasn't, it wasn't that, honestly, I, I will be blunt about this. I would rather, I, I was so lost without the Holy Spirit that I would rather quit doing things that feel good at the moment to know that I have him with me at all times and will not be, and, and I will be able to hear his voice and discern at all times than to be pleasured and have that window of, oh, it feels good right now, and then go home and be without him for days on end. And I learned through that to stop doing it. And, you know, it's one thing if you repent. Repent means to change your mind, change direction, stop doing it. If you keep repenting and you keep returning to that same sin, you're going to keep, God's going to eventually turn you over to that sin. Because your free will is having more power and control over your life than the Holy Spirit. And so this is why it's so important to have this, you know, circumcision of the heart and this transformation of the heart. Because when you truly know the Holy Spirit, you don't want to do these things that hurt him. That's why we have six churches full of people going, I love God, I'm a Christian, but they're not living it. They haven't had the transformation. They have not had that shift to transform them. And God is calling those people back. And we will continue to see thousands to our right and left fall because they're going to start falling because we are asking for the fire of the Holy Spirit to come down. And as it comes down, there will be people that cannot tolerate it and handle it. And they're going to die. I'm watching so many people sick right now and so many people being attacked and so many people dying, even ministers, because they are being attacked and, and, and the demons are just on a tear right now. And Satan knows his time is short. So we have to understand we are not going to be able to continue in the world that we lived in and carry on the way we were. It's time to change. And as hard as it is, I'm telling you, you're listening to somebody who has done it. Okay, I've lived it. I can't judge anybody because I've been there, but I have the ability to judge them righteously if they're my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I have the ability to tell them, please stop. Stop. You're only hurting yourself, and you're hurting God's heart more than anything in the world. And if you understood, and I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about if you really went and read your Bible and started at Genesis 3 and 6, you would see why God wants you to stop doing these things that give the enemy power. These disembodied spirits are, so the giants breeded, they had the, the hybrid, the Nephilim, whatever, they had the hybrid spread throughout the world, or they, had, they were spread throughout, I mean, throughout that time, and they were cannibals, they were eating people, they created these giants, and 
as they died, their spirits lived on, and those spirits are the de- demons, the demonic spirits I talk about a lot, that are roaming to and fro looking for sin. And they're looking for sin because they're looking for a host to live in. That host has to have blood and oxygen for them to survive. So that sin gives them power, and it gives them legal rights to do to be to to possess you to not possess you but oppress you i i i just i disagree there's some things going on in the world that make me wonder if we do have the ability to be possessed because i know people that make it sure makes me wonder if they are and they call themselves christians you you can't be a christian and live in the flesh you can't and jesus died jesus went into the desert the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights to show us that it was possible. And if you read Hebrews 1 through 5, it's very, very clear. He was higher than the angels and became lower than the angels. There will be no excuse on judgment day for sin. Yes, our sin is paid for, but it's very clear those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, do I think there could be different levels and that not all will inherit the kingdom of God? Yes. But I don't know about you, but I don't want to get in by the skin of my teeth. I want to get in and sit next to Jesus. I'm like, I'll be, I want to be right by him. You know, I don't want to be by myself. But it goes back to the 10 virgins. And this is, this is the thing that we're really studying right now. My sister and I, we're really breaking it down and letting God lead us on this. But it's clear 50% went in and 50% didn't. So that makes me think there might not be levels. It's very clear they claim they knew him, but he did not know them. And there's some there's some things that God is speaking to me about about that parable that I missed before. And I, I'm anxious to show you and, and do this and I'll do this. I'll probably do a video on it. But the thing is, it says that there are people that barely get in barely get into heaven, basically. Basically or barely get into the kingdom of God and then and their works are all burned up. And so I think a lot of pastors are going to be that way. I think they're going to be the ones who got in, but their works were burned up because they knew the truth and they didn't preach it or they didn't, you know, I might be wrong, but you know, there's, there's some things that we're studying and we're kind of just breaking it down, trying to get God to show us. And it might not be time for us to know that might be the other thing. It might just not be time for us, but I want to teach you this parable correctly. And so I'm asking God to really, really make sure that I know it inside and out before and that it's time for me to tell you what I've found. But the thing is, we we are not going to be able to give... Sorry, that was my Bluetooth. We're not going to be able to give flesh power over our lives and inherit the kingdom. And we are at a time and place that we need to crucify our flesh. Jesus died the way he died to show you that it can be done, to show you that it's possible that it can be done. And I am living proof that it can be done. And my heart's greatest desire is that you overcome the flesh and you get to inherit God's kingdom. Because what we do here. In this world, these are our works, basically how we live our life for Jesus. Are we going to bury the things that he gave us or are we going to go into the kingdom with them? It's not that we, we, we can't earn it. That's been paid for. 
But do I think there's things that can keep us out? Absolutely. He's very clear about that. God does not contradict himself. God is not a mean person. He's not a hateful person. And I do believe that God is giving, he is long suffering and he's, he's showing me some things that I can't speak about right now, but I will tell you this much. He's got a lot of surprises lined up that the people at the top don't see. And he's only revealing this to his people who seek him and are obedient. And we're going to be the ones who hear his voice and know the truth as it happens. But it's just so, I'm so fascinated by what he did with the Bible because he's really showing us what Satan's plans are. And he just keeps saying, do not fear, do not fear. We're going to have to walk in faith with God and know that he's got something bigger. And something bigger that they don't know about. And so, um, gosh, I was doing something this morning and I wish I could remember what it was. And I felt like the Lord was showing me and I knew I would forget it if I wrote it, didn't write it down. And it was so little and it was like so important that, oh, I'll see if I can remember it. And if I do, I'll have to write it down and do it later. But something, it was just so simple but he was showing me that, you know, he loves his children. He's not going to leave them beheaded. He's not going to come back for a beheaded bride. He's not going to leave his children. And we have to stop. He's not going to leave us just hanging. We have to stop speaking things like the beheadings and stuff because that's been happening for thousands of years. We've been losing this war. The saints have been losing this war because we've been, we've been rocked to sleep by Satan. But we're waking up. And God's going to use his church to rise up. And then he's going to return for with a church that's that that we are going through tribulation now. And if people can't see it, I mean there's it's right in front of them. But the problem is religious spirit has done some serious damage and the churches have done a lot of damage. I ask you to take this to the Lord. Because here's the thing. I can tell you when I would fornicate, I was not hearing the voice of God, and I thought I was. It wasn't until I learned who he was, and I learned his habits, and I learned about grieving him, and I learned about the sin, and I learned not to do it. I learned to not touch that hot stove, because I would rather have him than not have him in my life. And there's a lot of people in the church walking around, leading people to the bedroom. And that's opening up a door for Jezebel and Ahab and Leviathan. And let me tell you, when you tell somebody you will not sleep with them, it weeds them out really fast. And I can tell you, every man that approached me, God said, no, nope, nope. I was like, I used to make a joke about it. I said, I don't know if I'm ever going to recognize the word yes when I hear it. It was so many years of just hearing the word no. I just began, it became it became routine for me. It was just a big joke. But, you know, the thing about it is, I'm not, I mean, I gave birth to three children or four children. So I literally, like, it isn't like I'm a virgin. As, as one of the guys said, well, it's not like you're a virgin, and I'm like, wow, we go to church together and you know God and you're trying to talk me in the bedroom. Wow. It's not like you're 20, Jennifer. No, I wasn't 20. But in God's eyes, I was a new creation. I was a new, I had crucified my 
flesh. I had died with Christ. I was, I was crucified with Christ. And I know the difference between that and being 16 years old and getting baptized and saying, I'll follow Jesus. I am not a Christian. I am a disciple. And I choose to follow him. And that means I have to lay my part on the altar. And I have to give my, I have to give back. And if you read the Bible, God is very clear about this. Because of the thing, the thing is the free will keeps us in bondage to Satan. And so that's what gives him legal rights. And so we have to keep laying things on the altar to show God our commitment. And this is what he said to me. I said, God, I trust you. I trust you. I love you. I trust you. And he said, I don't trust you. And that hurt. That hurt me so bad that it made me want to change. And I just encourage all of you that have addictions, have fleshly issues that you're dealing with. I was gonna, I was putting this in my book, but the problem is my book has been put on hold. The Lord is at the door, and I'm telling you, we are that close that my book doesn't matter anymore. And it's time for the church to wake up and get their lives right. And this is, this is, I am sounding the alarm. This is what I do as a watchman. So I'm telling you, it's time to crucify your flesh and repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And yes, the one thing you love more than anything will be the one thing, the one thing you do not crucify, that you love more than anything will be the one thing that you're doing when Yeshua returns. And he has told me that. If you love alcohol, you'll be drunk. If you love sex, you're going to be fornicating. I sure as heck know that I do not want to be doing any of that stuff when he returns. I want to be about his business and about my father's business when I'm out in the world doing things. I don't want to be sitting at a high school football game. I want to be doing his work. And if you don't want to be doing that when he returns, then you probably aren't a Christian. And that's hard to say. But I'm just telling you, it is time to get your life right with God. It is, the end is near. How near? I don't know. I don't make dates, set dates. But I will tell you, it has been confirmed over and over again, he is at the door. And he has told me that I have to take care of some things before he returns. And when we were at church on Saturday, I had my head down and the pastor always says, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And literally, as soon as he stopped speaking, I turned around and looked at the person next to me and I said, you have to get baptized. That's, that was what he said. And she agreed. And you have to do it quick, I said. That was what he was telling me. Anything that you have, unforgiveness, anger, bitterness, anything you have, it needs to go. And the Holy Spirit will lead you and he will help you crucify this flesh. I love you so much in Jesus. I love you so much. And I know that you feel like this world is just so overwhelming and so hard right now. But we're going to have a party in heaven or in the kingdom. And I want you to be there with me. I want my family, new and old, my children. I want my friends. I want everybody to experience the kingdom of heaven. This world's going to pass away really soon. 
And I just pray that you're ready to meet your maker. And I, I ask you to also remind yourself of all the people that have passed on before you. Because you will be separated from them for an eternity. If you choose the other way. I just want to tell you, God bless you. And I will talk to you later, Lord willing. Have a wonderful and blessed day.